Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Hello and welcome to MHI Cast. Today we have two supply chain experts on the show. We have Thomas Boykin from Deloitte and Randy Bradley from the University of Tennessee. The two have joined us and it's always a pleasure for us here at MHI because these two have long been contributors to MHI's body of knowledge, including the annual industry report. And they've continuously developed surprisingly accurate forecasts on the trajectory of our industry. So today we're going to discuss and we're hopeful that they can weigh in and help us all get a clearer picture on how COVID has impacted and affected our industry so far and moreover what impacts we might continue to see in the near and distant future. So Thomas, let's start with you and, and let's start at the top of March 2020 or the early part of March 2020. MHI noticed that many supply chains were beginning to feel the ripples of impact from the virus overseas. So in response, uh, a session in partnership with the American Logistics Aid Network was added to the roster at, at the MODEX event um, to discuss the implications and potential courses of action. In your opinion, what were some of these early impacts that supply chains were feeling? And moreover, what insights did it reveal? COVID back in March of uh, 2020, uh, not much was known, I guess not much is still known, but um, in terms of the, the industry perspective preparing for the Modex conference, our thought was that um, the pandemic wouldn't, <laughs> there's a, a whole lot of unknowns and so our thought was as long as we practiced uh, uh, social distancing and followed guidelines uh, then personally we'd be fine in terms of the supply chain um, in the industry again um, there should have been a whole lot of planning going on even even in March possibly even February January um, because Regardless of anybody's ability to predict the impact of COVID, one of the functions of supply chain is to plan, and a plan doesn't have to rely on a, on a forecast being 100% accurate, uh, but a plan has to have a contingency and has to have uh, some resiliency and flexibility built into it. And from an industry perspective, one could make an argument that uh, many supply chains were caught off guard by uh, what happened. Um, obviously, nobody could have predicted the impact and the scale of, uh, of what has occurred, but the planning aspect of supply chain was put to the test. Do you want to expand on that, Randy? One of the first things we started to see when COVID-19 was starting to ramp up is a tremendous surge in demand for products that we may not have necessarily anticipated. And these things began to put a strain on the flow of goods through the network. In addition to that, as we begin to see things happening in Asia, you know, whether it was Southeast Asia and so forth, we also began to have some concerns about whether or not products were actually going to make it through the supply chain or whether they were actually going to be stuck somewhere along the way. 
And then over time, although we saw many of the ports on the North America side still open, there was still the concern of whether or not those container ships were going to be able to make it into ports. And if you think about it more closer to home, the surge and demand, and we always talk about from a supply chain responsiveness standpoint, supply chains need to be designed in such a way that you can withstand a dramatic surge in demand. The problem with a pandemic is that surge goes well beyond anything that's natural. And as a result of that, it was an exponential surge that really created a strain. And then when you couple with that, the fact that there was now the need to start to physically separate workers from one another, then that also created constraints with respect to, could you have enough individuals in the workspace in the time that you needed to be able to satisfy the increase in demand for products and services that were coming through? And some of that was, yes, we needed to physically separate, but a part of that was also the fear, the concern, the uncertainty of what the workers were thinking and feeling with respect to cause and concern for their own family's welfare. And so there were a number of these things together that really created this perfect storm, if you will, where we began to realize that although a global supply chain is reality, those supply chain, as long as they are and as lean as we made them, we've also made them extremely thin and fragile. Okay, so now let's fast forward. As the virus continued to progress, what challenges were supply chains hit with and, and what adaptations did you observe, Thomas? So as, uh, as COVID progressed um, and be- we began to see the impact that it was having to people's lives and um, supply chains uh, were kind of asked to respond, we, we, we view that as, or I view that as uh, sort of a stress test of the supply chain. Uh, and in our case, the test reveals some of the vulnerabilities uh, as well as some opportunities moving forward. So uh, while many companies were in survival mode as you know, their demand in many cases were being cut by you know, in, in chunks, and 25%, some industries, some industries 50%, some industries even more dramatic than that. Um, we did see some of those industries uh, becoming industrious to try and uh, uh, figure out ways to uh, offset the impact of, of the lost demand. So, for example, some uh, uh, food catering companies shifted focus from their traditional customers who might have been you know airlines or might have been uh, kind of kind of large kind of industrial type of of demand shifted to maybe providing uh, sustenance or food for frontline workers or uh, food for uh, facilities that were kind of makeshift and going up and obviously didn't have kind of food service uh, established in terms of contracts so we did see some creative um, maneuvering by, by many companies uh, looking to not only survive but also make an impact on the lives of, uh, of uh, people who were traditionally not their customers. There were a number of things that we saw in response to this where supply chains were starting to adapt or at least adapt to the best of their abilities. Part of that is those organizations that had a very clear strategy for the way they were going to leverage digital solutions and emerging technologies really began to rely 
on the utilization of those. And it's one of the things that even we brought up in one of the previous MHI annual reports was that emerging technologies don't necessarily steal jobs from humans. They fill gaps in capabilities, they fill gaps in knowledge. And in this case, they were needed to fill gaps in bodies because we couldn't physically have as many bodies occupy the same space simultaneously. And so those organizations that were well prepared had already done their due diligence and started the investment process well ahead of the pandemic, were in a much better position to be able to respond. And on the flip side of that, organizations that had been on the fence or were thinking about it or perhaps running pilot projects, all of a sudden were becoming extremely abundantly aware of the fact that they now have a, 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 a dire state with respect to ability to keep up with demand for products and services. And that is what's going to lead into what we consider to be this next influx of investments in these emerging technologies and advanced solutions. Excellent. Thanks, Randy. I wouldn't mind just touching on this now. Let's focus on the future. Um, when did you think we can expect a return to normalcy? Or do you think that normal isn't really a goal we can feasibly strive toward? As we now start to consider what the post-COVID environment might look like, there, there's going to be some time before organizations can truly get back to what they call normal. In fact, I don't know that we're going to get back to normal as we currently perceived it to be. I like to say there will be a prob probably 24 to 48 month period before we get back to stability. And what I mean by that is stability with respect to, to demand, stability with respect to the ability to actually meet that demand. And what kind of changes are we going to see that'll contribute to this stability? So I mentioned that um, this pandemic has been a stress test of the supply chain uh, um, figuratively um, and tested all the vital organs, if you will, of the supply chain, including the heart and the veins, uh, arteries. Um, uh, what it revealed was that there was a significant opportunity to step up the uh, capability of the planning function. So in the future, I think uh, as companies uh, get through COVID and begin to, to make plans for how to improve, one of, the, one of the key areas will be in terms of planning, uh, demand planning, supply planning, and not just planning for the happy path, but also planning for um, uh, disruptions across the supply chain. And uh, what we've seen is the ultimate disruption. Uh, not only did it disrupt entire industries, but entire countries uh, and, and, and indeed the entire world. So I think one key opportunity, one learning through this process is that the planning function will have to become much more robust than it has been, and not just from uh, being able to uh, be efficient and effective, but also to be resilient. So there will be an emphasis on resiliency and the flexibility of a supply chain to bounce back and absorb some of the disruptions that will inevitably occur, uh, depending on the industry. And again, that's what's uh, so unique about this uh, stress test is that it, it you know, it has spanned uh, industries and taken on uh, entire uh, entire industries in that way. Typically, though, the planning function is an industry-specific um, 
function that focuses on industry-specific challenges uh, that, uh, that are common within an industry. But even that level of disruption, I believe companies will be um, motivated to become better in that, in that function and better in the resiliency aspect of planning. And they'll measure this themselves based on how resilient uh, they're able to be in terms of their supply chain. You know, a lot of people have been saying that reshoring and creating more local supply chains is going to be the key to building that resiliency and stability. What do you think about that, Randy? And so how are we actually going to get to a stable environment? I do not believe that what we keep hearing from the pundits about actually uh, bringing everything back to shore and all manufacturing back to the U.S., I think that ship has long sailed. What we're going to see is a, still a continued reliance on our foreign partners to continue to produce, primarily because the profit margins that many organizations have enjoyed, they're not willing to relinquish those margins for the sake of having a supply chain closer to home. I do believe there is a middle ground where you will begin to see that when you look at supplier diversity, I think that's going to become of even greater importance where you will find larger organizations relying on smaller partners that are closer to home to do some things. And they'll become that backup mechanism, if you will, so that in the event that you get caught into a similar pandemic or if we have a second or third wave of the virus, you then won't be as potentially disrupted. Okay, so other than reshoring, what other adaptations are, are going to create that stability? The other thing that I think we're going to see is you're going to see more interest and emphasis placed on investing in predictive and prescriptive analytics, investing in autonomous mobile robots, and then also greater investments or leveraging of various forms of artificial intelligence, which means that cloud infrastructure and cloud services are going to become in greater demand. Now, here's the caveat to that. The problem that we're going to have is I do not believe this is going to be exponential growth initially. The growth I anticipate is going to be relatively linear. And the reason for that is so many organizations are going to be strapped for cash. And even though we have emerging financial models that allow you to really lease the autonomous and advanced robotics that you need, it doesn't really matter how favorable those terms are if you don't have the cash flow to even uh, take advantage of those terms. And so I believe by the time we hit the 24 to 36 year mark, you're going to then begin to see exponential growth in terms of the level of adoption and maturation of these solutions that we've been talking about for the past five to six years. What about emerging technologies, Thomas? Do you see those playing a role? So moving forward, um, I, I do believe supply chains will, will get better and um, they will get better in the planning aspect and they'll also get better in terms of leveraging technologies. We've chronicled or profiled uh, 11 leading technologies with the MHI annual uh, survey and report for the last seven years. And what we've done is track the adoption rates for leading innovation like artificial intelligence, like uh, prescript, uh, uh, prescriptive analytics, uh, innovations like sensors and automatic ident identification. Uh, we believe the adoption rate for each of the critical technologies will increase uh, in order to provide some of the flexibility and resiliency in supply chains that will be needed uh, and actually demanded by the planning function. Um, as a small example, um, we don't expect ever uh, <laughs> warehouse
houses to be uh, lights out as the as the term goes, meaning you know completely automated. But we do believe that they will be more flexible and more automated, and the automation itself will have to be flexible uh, in terms of working alongside the human element, element, which we don't believe ever will be replaced um, in, in warehousing logistics and distribution. Um, for example, uh, we expect robots to be more prevalent. And you may have heard a, ter a term called cobots, meaning robots that have uh, not only the robotics uh, elements, but also the ability to work side by side with, with humans and collaborate with, uh, with, with people and uh, what enables them to do that is sensor technology um, and, um, you know, other advancements in terms of data, um, uh, big data and being shared up and down the supply chain. So uh, we, we do see a greater use or reliance on automation, but automation in conjunction with, uh, with human, the human element. Um, we also see that um, the um, flexibility uh, will be enabled by some of this automation and it will be um, more of an integral part of what uh, companies evaluate themselves on. Uh, cost will always be in the equation, uh, but we believe cost will not uh, be the, you know, the kind of driver uh, as it, it has been traditionally. Uh, in terms of business cases. Let's touch on suggestions. Um, do you have any suggestions that you can provide to supply chain leaders who are trying to move forward? So as companies prepare to improve post-COVID, uh, one of the areas uh, that they'll need to focus on is taking full advantage of the digital revolution. Um, and not just about big data, but also about kind of leveraging that, that information uh, and sharing it seamlessly across the supply chain, uh, even some in some cases across competitive fences, it will become more important that uh, uh, the power of the information and how well each company uses it, which which will drive them to over overcome some of those traditional barriers of, you know, not sharing information and data with competitors. Um, that information will. Um, you know, go up and down the supply chain, it will be shared freely. And we also believe that uh, it will help companies develop advanced analytics uh, capabilities to not only kind of look back in terms of what the data says happened, but also to be able to look forward and to be able to predict uh, what's, what's going to happen, predictive analytics, and beyond predictive, uh, not only what is likely to happen, but also what a company should do <laughs> when it does happen. So it will be, the data will be more valuable in terms of being prescriptive and kind of uh, leading companies to understand what needs to be done, not only what will happen, but what they need to do about it to respond. Um, and all of these technologies will be critical to that capability, including uh, inter industrial Internet of Things, including sensors and automatic identification, including cloud computing and storage, and including artificial intelligence and advanced analytics. 
Randy, if you could weigh in also, what, what is your advice? So as we move forward into what we consider to be our next normal, I think there are a couple of caveats that leaders and executives and organizations need to understand. First, in the material handling space, we don't really know how long it's going to be before workers can actually be side by side. So this whole notion that we've talked about over the years of, of human to robot interaction, I think what we're going to start to see more of is robot to robot interactions, even more so than we've seen before. The other thing is, if you really need to be able to bring your workforce back into play, I think there will be time for organizations to start considering investments in, in what we call virtual lift modules or virtual lift, vertical lift solutions. And so with respect to that, what it will do is enable you to reclaim a lot of that warehouse space. And by reclaiming the warehouse space that was taken up because we've been storing things horizontally instead of vertically, you now have that space to bring your workers in and still be able to have them physically distanced and separated from one another to create that level of comfort that they will want. Now, here's the added burden that this is going to cre create for our industry. But I think it's a, good, it's a good challenge for us, which is this, that need for the right talent, the talent with the analytical skills, the talent with the appropriate emotional uh, quotient, if you will, all of those things have now been accelerated. The only problem is the rate at which they're being produced has not. If you look at the changes now happening in the academic environment as a result of the challenges created by the virus, you have to now ask yourself, I've got to start investing in my existing workforce. And to some degree, you may want to go back and look at that workforce that has just recently retired and ask yourself, can we now start to ramp up their skills and capabilities to help fill this lull and gap until we can really get the talent to be able to lead us into this next era. Gentlemen, thank you. Uh, I'd like to bring us to a close now, but please know that your time, your insights, your input is so, so valuable, not just today, but just considering everything that you do for MHI and the MHI community. Thank you. Uh, and, and for you, the supply chain leader listening out there, thank you as well for your tireless contributions to keeping our world running during these challenging times, especially during these challenging times. So, uh, in fact, you, the listener, truly are the hero. And if you're a supply chain leader and, and you haven't heard, the American Logistics Aid Network, or Allen, is actively responding to the pandemic by connecting people like you with resources and opportunities to contribute. You can visit their website for more information. Just go to allenaid.org, A-L-A-N-A-I-D.org. Gentlemen, thanks again. And if you enjoyed this podcast, this MHI cast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening to this MHI cast featuring Thomas Boykin and Randy Bradley. MHI's annual industry report offers more insights into how AI, mobile robotics, and other technological innovations are affecting the supply chain industry and how you can begin to embrace a digital mindset. And don't miss the new Robotics and Automation Solution Center at Promat in Chicago in April of 2021. Visit promatshow.com to learn more and register to attend. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.